I just know you're going to love the guests that we have on in this episode. So don't go away. Hi, I'm Gary Cristofero with Ezra International, and this is the interview. And I decided that we don't need Rick Watch anymore. I mean, we can do this show without him, right? <laughs> I'm right here, Gary. Oh, sorry, Rick. Right here. Uh, welcome to, to the interview. We've got our great friend and partner in the faith and in the work of what the prophet said would take place. Uh, Gary Christopher from Ezra International. We're going to pick up where we left off last week. Sure. And that is talking about the connection between covenants yeah. and discipleship. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that, that is huge. I, I'll, I'll start with this quote from Abraham Joshua Heschel because I, I love it. Uh, he said that it may, be, it may be difficult to convey to people what we think, but it's not difficult to convey what we do what we live and that that has to be the the code for for living for the believer is to show it to live it it has to be every part of our life and you know how does that relate to the covenant well i think we're gonna we're gonna tie all this together covenants plural um with with um what we what god has required of us uh, you know oh man what does he require of you um to love mercy and and to you know this this is we're, we're to behave according to his principles to his his word and not just um think that we know better let's put it that way because that's idolatry so let's let's ref if you we will we'll refresh or um uh recap we we talked about the abrahamic covenant because there are, there are multiple covenants. It starts with God choosing a man. He needed a man who became a family, who became a people, that became a nation. He needed a, a, a people and a place to carry out the restoration of all things. That includes bringing us, in a big way, bringing us the Messiah. The restoration of all things. As the book of Acts talks about Yeshua will be held in heaven uh, and, and he would be kept there until the restoration of all things. So what does that mean? Well, God, we, we see this fall of man. We see God intervene, and it starts with picking Abraham. He makes an eternal, unconditional covenant with him. He says, I'll be God to you. And as I said last week, he's God no matter what, but he's God to us through covenant, which is a contract. And so He's got to his people, and he gave them a promise that the land would be forever theirs. No matter what, it would be forever theirs. Now, their right to domicile in the land became conditional. And that we'll get to that. Now, after Abraham, uh, right. Jacob becomes a family, and cut in here anytime you want. But Abraham becomes uh, you know, a family through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob becomes Israel. Israel, as a family, goes to, to Egypt. They're incubated, so to speak, in, in, in Egypt for, for uh, almost 400 years. They come out as a nation, and they reach Sinai. They reach the mountain. God has to instruct this people in a way that they, they will be a light to the nations. He, he's revealing himself to the nations through this people. And if they don't separate themselves 
you know, sanctification means to separate. To be holy means to separate, uh, be set apart. And so when we call them a holy people, that means they were set apart. Kadosh. To represent. Hagias yes. in Greek. Yeah, to represent the one true God. The yes. God of Abraham, Isaac, yes. and Jacob. Yes. And an opportune time. Yeah. In fact, it's essential time mm -hmm. because they're leaving a culture. Right. Could they're beginning to take on and understand a new culture, right. which is the culture of the Creator. That's right. Which in many ways is in opposition to the culture they have left. In every way. The, that speaks volumes yeah. to us today in a culture we're in. Great point, Rick. Uh, because, yeah, they, they're living in this pagan culture, idolatrous culture, God's galore, right? You know, pantheon of gods. And that's what God did with the miracles of the Exodus. Each one of those plagues represented his sovereignty over one of the Egyptian gods. And so, yes, now this people comes out, they have a slave mentality. They've been slaves for hundreds of years, generation after generation. And they need to, have, they need to be taught how to live as children of God. In fact, their failure of the spies going into the land and their doubt throughout their wilderness journey, uh, constantly wishing to go back to Egypt, shows or displays their, their slave mentality. And that's why that generation had to die out in the desert, because this people had to be instructed on how to live to be a light to the nations. And that comes through the Torah. Now, let's, let's be honest, the Christian world today looks with disdain on the Torah because they call it the law. And we claim that we're, you know, we're not under the law in other words if we if we were to look at that honestly we're saying we're not under god's instruction anymore right and the, the biggest challenge i think with theolo protestant theologians today is to understand when we speak about uh living out the torah or you say law but i know what you really mean is instructions right. of god like instructions every child needs instructions right uh that it's not for justification's sake we're not justified by keeping a list of commands or instructions. Another great point, because the Torah was for a redeemed people. Yes. Remember, they were they they escaped right. slavery of Egypt. They had been redeemed, and now they've been instructed. Right. It's right. the same for us. The Torah means nothing for there's nothing for a person who's not redeemed that we can't earn our way into heaven. We can't it's earn our way to God. Justification. But once we're redeemed, once we have the blood of Yeshua in our lives, now yes. we respond through the obedience yes. instruction. That's right. Because think think about this logically for a moment. Why would God give a set of instructions and then send his son to the earth, do away with those instructions, and then when his son returns, according to Isaiah 2 and Michael 4, he teaches those instructions from Jerusalem, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? What does it say? The law will go forth from Jerusalem? That's that, right. There is Torah. Right. right. So it doesn't make any yeah. sense. And even one of the ways that we uh, have translated a New Testament quotation from the Tanakh is we say they will the, the islands will trust in his name. Mm. But actually it's a quotation that the original says... The, uh, they will, it's not trust in his name, but trust in his Torah, yeah. his teaching. So here, so how do you reconcile these two? Well, a person's name or his character, what he stands for, is what he instructs and how he lives. Mm. Exactly, 
And and I think they're synonymous. They they are synonymous. That there, there's no division in that. I think we no. talked last week about dividing our religious life with our yes. with our other life. Compartmentalized. Compartmentalized. No way. It's supposed we're we're it, it is our life. Yes. Everything the word of God and our love for him should instruct and should guide everything that we do, whether it be our work, whether it be our family life, whether it be our, our relationships, it doesn't matter. It's, okay, so we're under this new covenant, which a better way to translate would be renewed. Renew covenant of the Jeremiah yeah, comes from 31. Jeremiah 31. Yeah, that word in the Hebrew is right. better and, translated. And, and, that, and that promise of a renewed covenant is not to Gentiles. Who's it to? It's to the house of Israel. That's right. To the Jewish people. And it's the renewing, basically, is, and he makes it clear. In Jeremiah 31, we see that he talks about the covenant that they broke in the desert. So it can't be, as the churches. See, the church has, for many years, clumped all the covenants into two. Because they don't understand covenant. Exactly. They don't. Because they, 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 we, go to, we go to the book of Matthew and we think, Everything to the right is new covenant. Everything to the left is old covenant. That's how we view it. That's right. Whether we admit it or not, that's that's dispensationalism. And and so we, when we think of old covenant, we think, okay, what Jesus did just destroyed the old covenant. Not true. First of all, Matthew chapter five. Exactly. Yeah. Not not one not one letter of the. I did not come to do. Go ahead. To remove the Torah, but I came to. And I would translate it, and many do, to fill it up. In other right. words, to show you what it looks like when you live it. Exactly. He personified the Torah. Exactly. It was the living word. Well, he's, yeah, exactly. That's what, that means. That's what, that's what it means. That's what that means. The memory. Right. So going back to this idea of the old covenant disappearing, not true because we know that the Abrahamic covenant was eternal and unconditional. So it's still enforced today. So when we get to the Mosaic Covenant and we do see conditions, you know, we look at Deuteronomy uh, chapter 28, we talk about curses and blessings based on obedience or disobedience. So we know that there were conditions there. And one of those conditions was if you don't obey up to dispersion, up to and including dispersion from the land. Yes. That's why we are still you know helping people get back you had the babylonian dispersion and then after the romans destroyed jerusalem and israel you have this this second dispersion we're still regathering jewish people from that second so, so let me interrupt okay so when they're removed from the land because they broke the covenant it was the mosaic does it mean that the land is no longer theirs? Not at all. Exactly. Yes. Their, their right to domicile was based on conditions in the Mosaic Covenant. Right. But the yes. promise of that land to them eternally came from the Abrahamic Covenant. Therefore, God always said, when you, whenever you look at, and it starts even back in the Torah, we can find it in Deuteronomy, I believe, the first mention in, in, verse, in chapter 4, but then in, definitely in chapter 30, it says, wherever you're scattered to throughout the nations, throughout the world, four corners of the earth, I will bring you back. There's always a promise of return in the latter days. And then the prophets pick up on that. And all the prophets speak of the latter-day return. Mm -hmm. And God says he'll do it for his holy namesake in Ezekiel 36 because his reputation's on the line. He made a promise. He made a promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And even though they disobeyed the covenant they made with Moses, remember, they said, all these things we will do. Yes. And then they didn't. Right. 
So that covenant was where, where the breach comes from. They're scattered. They returned first time. They're scattered a second time. And there's no third scattering listed in Scripture. So this regathering that we're witnessing today, Isaiah 11, 11, I'll bring you back a second time, mm. is the regathering of the latter days. Amos 9, 15 says, I will plant you in the land and never pluck you up again. So there's a promise uh, that they, they were... They were warned. It was foretold that they would be scattered. They were also foretold. It was also foretold that they would return. In the final, in the latter days, they would return with the help of the Gentiles, and they would be there to stay on the wings of eagles. Yes. All right. So let's get back to the covenants. We have this progression. We have the Abrahamic covenant. We have the Mosaic covenant. The Mosaic covenant, written in stone, as we know, we have the ten, the ten words, the ten, the ten commandments. Sure. Which is a bit of a summary. A summary of all. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Because if you keep, you know, Yeshua summarized them in two. Very typical of the rabbis and the prophets before. But what did he say? He said, upon these two, all the others hang. You know, I compared that to, like, this morning, I could have gone, I could have grabbed the hanger out of my closet and come into ITVN. And I would have had my hanger, but I would have had my clothes. Now, I'm sure we would be kicked off the network, right? If you don't put the clothes that were hanging on that hanger on, you're incomplete. Mm -hmm. He said all of the rest hang from those first two. So if you love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and you love your neighbor as yourself, you will automatically do the rest. Right. The specifics of that are given then Throughout the five books, of right. Then you have the details, like details. the like the the food laws and right. the keeping of the Sabbath. Well, of course, keeping of the Sabbath is within the ten. So I think that one's pretty important. Pretty important. Pretty important. So, so um, we do the same thing with relationships, whether it's a spoken thing or not. There's instructions passed between two people, sure, or a group of people in a relationship, a pastor to a flock, mm-hmm. uh, two individuals like us, right. Uh, we have made uh, probably un- unspoken uh, instructions between each other on this covenant as friends. Because we're friends. Because, because we're relationship. Friends. That's right. Because there, right. There, there's an active, yes. nurtured relationship. Yes. And so every relationship right. has either spoken or unspoken set of instructions, right. which builds a covenant which they will keep or they will break. Exactly. And it's because of that relationship breach, because... The, the covenant instructions became uh, religion. They became something that, well, if we just do this, do this, do this, do this, we, we've, we've checked all the boxes, we're good, and lost that relationship with God. And the same thing would happen with our spouses. Yes. If we just had a checklist and said, uh, uh, Donna, my wife, Donna, I'm home, I check it off, and now I'm going to take out the trash, check it off. You should be in love with me. You should love me because... I checked off the list. <laughs> right. That's not all there is in relationship. There is, and it's no different with it, with it, Abba. You're right. It's a great great analysis. Um, so so yes, it becomes a, a religion. They feel that they're just checking the boxes, and so now uh, this religion uh, written on you know they we we use the comparison written on stone versus written on the heart. That's where Jeremiah speaks of changing renewing from from a from a set of instructions only 
you know, distant from us, written on stone, to a set of instructions written on our hearts. So it's not a doing away with the instructions or Torah. Right. It's that the Torah then becomes part of us. Exactly. Exactly. And that that promise was made to Israel. We, as Gentiles, were let in on it. We, you know, Ephesians 2, uh, I believe it's verse 12, talks about we were hopeless. We were outside of the covenants of promise. And notice it says covenants, plural. And also past tense. Yes. We were outside of them. We had no hope, no relationship, no chance to have a relationship with God. Before. Before Yeshua. So that also intimates that that was before but we are a part of that now now something yes because it says through through that sacrifice we become part of the commonwealth of israel yes or i like to say the wealth common to israel because before you had to become a proselyte you had to go through all the the conversion process in order to become part of israel and it so it didn't change right the approach changed you we still have a we still have to become part of Israel. Exactly. You know, you yeah, still have baptismal waters, which was the mikvah the back mikvah. then. Yes. Sure. And, and and what does what Paul say? We have grafted in. Grafted so the in. Root, that root is Israel. Not replaced. Exactly. So when theologians today, Protestant theologians say we are now the new Israel, that is replacement theology. Absolutely incorrect. Totally incorrect. It's as many of I've heard say, it's a lie from the pit of hell. Because uh, I think, well, ba- be, be frank. I would. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Bonhoeffer said cheap grace has destroyed more people in Christianity than the the idea of works. And I say, you know, that along with because it partners with replacement theology. Yes. When we replacement theology is that theology that says that we as the Gentiles, as the church, have replaced Israel. And that is completely false. We have to join Israel. We have we become a part of the Commonwealth of Israel. Paul, as I said, Paul says it Romans 11, we've been grafted in Ephesians 2, we've become part of the Commonwealth. So what do you do with those passages? You have to spiritualize them in order to deny them. Exactly. And and that's what the church has done. So, because we both, in our prior lives, were pastors mm-hmm. for many years, both of us, uh, I want to just address the layperson or the pastor who's watching the show and say, so if, if we're teaching or reading Darby, Schofield, Ryrie, uh, that were a part of schools that support those like Moody Bible College and many others, many others. And if there's been changes in those, thank God. But from my understanding, when I was still in school, they were pushing dispensational, uh, dispensationalism as well as replacement theology, yeah. whether they knew it or not. Yeah. And so the point is, if you have a pastor, if you're sitting in a church, and they're talking about how we've replaced the Jews. Run for your life. Find a church, a congregation that supports the Jewish people because they've always been and will always be the apple of God's eye. That's right. As Gary said, we're grafted into that. We never replace them. Amen. Amen. Well said. And I, and I think we need to be bold. And I need to things. be a little more fired. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Get bold. Get down. Don't mess words. Okay, I'm sorry. Rick, tell us what you really think. I know. I'm, <laughs> one day. One day. No, it's absolutely true. I think our our great example, uh, our prototype Gentile, were the words of Ruth, 
when she said, when Naomi, her, her, her Hebrew mother-in-law tried to tell her, go back to your people, the Moabites. She said, no, she said, your God, my God, your people, my people. And where you go, I will go. And where you die, I will die. That, and I'm paraphrasing, but that should be our example. We, we have become a part of them. And the Christian arrogance that has existed over the years to think that we somehow don't need them, we've replaced them, uh, is completely false. And though many Jewish people come back to the land in unbelief, uh, and many today, the government, we might say the government is, government is secular. They're not a theocracy yet. Uh, that doesn't mean we don't support them and love them and know that they're part of God's plan and that he's calling us. And I mentioned, I think last week I mentioned Ezekiel 36. Also in Ezekiel 36, it says once they're back in the land, he will pour out his spirit upon them. He will sprinkle clean water on them, give them a new heart, heart of flesh. And Zechariah talks about this. Yeah, they, and they, they will once again see him for who he is, their God. And yeah, Zechariah talks about recognizing what happened with Yeshua. Um, so, right. look, that's, that's in his hands. Our responsibility is to get them home and be a servant to them. Romans uh, 15, verse 8 says that Yeshua became a servant to the circumcision mm -hmm. in order to, uh, to remind them the promises made to the fathers. Mm -hmm. And I think about uh, our, our, our representatives, I talked about them, our fishermen, I talked about them last week. That's what they do. They go into the home of a Jewish person and they tell them that they have the right to go home to Israel. That is a reminder of the covenant because the right of return law, you know, that, that exists in Israel is based on that promise to Abraham that anyone who is, who is Jewish has a right to be in the land. And we also become a servant to them. We serve them humbly. We don't, we don't push our, our faith on them. We show them Yeshua, show them J Jesus through our love for them. And many of them say, we're the first Christians ever to show them kindness. Mm -hmm. Isn't that a sad yeah, indictment on the, on the anti-Semitism yep. that exists in the country? And I think part of that is because as Christians, generally, we don't understand this concept that we're grafted in instead right. of replacing, right. that it's all about us then. Right. Well, you know, isn't the New Testament all about Christianity? You know, that kind of concept, as though Jesus was a Christian. Right. Jesus right. wasn't a Christian. Jesus was and is, Yeshua is, a Jew. That's right. Under Judaism, the yeah. only religion that God founded and created. Right. Christianity has come from that. So let me jump real quick into this idea of being grafted in. Mm -hmm. It is not a new concept. No. It's not just a New Testament concept as though that's where it began. That is not the case. In fact, when you go all the way back into the time of the Exodus, mm -hmm. you see that it's a mixed multitude. Right. And so when they're all being told, the rabbis tell us it was in 70 languages mm -hmm. that it was given out. That's oral tradition. But it speaks of their understanding right. that it wasn't just given to the Hebrews. Uh, so we know there was a mixed multitude because God gives instructions about what to do at certain feasts and says, even if those who are foreigners will do this, I'll accept them closer than my own children. Right, 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 right. son or daughter. Right. So from that time forward, we see it's a mixed multitude all the way through. Yes. So us being reminded of that 
should not take us by surprise as though it's something new. It shouldn't. In fact, you reminded me of the conversation that Yeshua had with Nicodemus when he was talking about this being regenerated from above. And, and you know, for, for what does he say? We call it being born again. Right. But what does he say? You're a teacher of the Jews and you don't know this. Yes. He's reminding this, as you yes. said, it's not a new yes. concept. Okay. So let's jump, since you jumped on that, uh, being born again or born from above mm. is not a, uh, was not coined in the New Testament period. This is older. It's a rabbinical phrase used by the rabbis for a non-Jewish person, a Gentile, mm -hmm. being brought into the Jewish fold as a proselyte. Right. And so they're born from above with all the rights and standing right. as a native born. Amen. Amen. And that's right? I, that. That yes, that's what we 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 have to stand. Yeah, go ahead. I'm going to jump on this. So when modern day evangelists, Christian evangelists say, you must be born again. Now, <laughs> Sorry, I got to do that. When you must be born again, they don't understand what they're saying is you need to become Jewish. Exactly. But it's not just. Well, not just Jewish. Exactly. Yeah. So finish that off. Well, yeah, because we're, we're, become, we're, we're following God's instruction. We're yes. becoming children of God. Exactly. You know, we're I, brought into the fold of Israel. Right. The fold and of that Israel. That is not what modern day evangelists say. No, and you know, people people say, you know, become Jewish. You think you're Jewish now? Right. Right. That that's like when we were talking about the feast the other day, you know, they're not the Jewish feast, they're the feast of the exact. Lord. So we're becoming children of the Lord yes. in the proper yes. context. Yes. The way he instructed us yes. to do it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's it's exactly right. You know, when you think about the when we, we talk about the New Testament, when the disciples and Yeshua were talking about the word, they were referring to the Tanakh. Yes. You know, everything that yes. we sadly and tragically call the old testament is the Tanakh. It's the word of God. Yes. And the New Testament did not exist. So what when, is the New Testament? The New Testament is commentary on the Torah. That's exactly what it is. For primarily for Gentiles. Yes. To understand they weren't born into it. They don't understand. Right. They don't even understand covenants right. from a biblical perspective. Exactly. So it's bringing them up to speed. You know, we're running out of time again. It, it goes too fast. And we didn't even talk about the Davidic covenant, but that's okay. Yes. Okay. But <laughs> what we do need to finish off in the next, uh, the next episode is let's get into discipleship and what that really means and how that applies to a believer today in the God of Israel. Mm. So we need to do that. Okay. Friends, uh, you know, it's always good to have Gary uh, representing Ezra on the set. And uh, it's good to know that Israel TV Network is growing, but not because of anything we're doing. We're just like you. We're just all trying to, you know, do our part in getting things ready for the coming of the King. And things are going to radically change. I don't know what part of the world you're in because people are watching from everywhere. But wherever you're at, hold tight. Keep your head up. Keep praying. Stay in the Word of God. Encourage your brothers. Don't bow down to the slavery of other believers as they're doing whatever the world does. Don't do that. You're a free person. You're free in Messiah. And because of that, follow Him with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Uh, 30 seconds. Give them what you got. Okay. Uh, as Ezra International? As whatever you want. Okay. Well, you know, you can be a part of what God is doing in this generation because the Jewish people are coming home. They're coming home from the four corners of the earth. 
And we provide an opportunity for you to be a part. When God calls to the Gentiles to help, this is what he means. And you, by your giving, your faithfulness, you are, you are fulfilling the word of God and becoming a partner with God. I often ask, if you could partner with God, would you? Well, we're giving you that opportunity. We love you. We appreciate you. We pray for you. And uh, we want you to know that we're all in this together. Until next time, shalom, shalom.